0: here at First Baptist Church. And uh, we're meeting here and we're in a series in our Sunday school. Title of it is Streams in the Desert. And it's uh, a series on different people's lives that God touched when they were in the desert. And uh, we've seen a couple already. This morning we're going to be dealing with John the Baptist. And so I'd ask you to turn in your Bible John 1, John the first chapter. We're going to look at verses 15 through 34. I want you to follow along with me as I read. The Bible says there, John, bear witness of him and cried, saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all, have all we received and grace of, for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou? that we may give an answer to them that sent us, what sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latcheth, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Beth, Beth, Arbor, Beth Arbara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bare record, this is the Son of God. And let's pray this morning. Father, once again, we come to you and seek you and ask you to meet our needs here as we gather in this place. I pray that you would help us to, to see the truths that you have for us in this, in this study on John the Baptist. Lord, he was such a, a herald for you and such a courageous man for you. And all oh, might we emulate him in, our, in the ministries you've called us to. And the things you have for us to do. Might we be faithful like he was. Lord, might we learn from him this morning. Now, Father, you know we'd much rather be meeting with the church and with the people in the church house this morning. But for whatever reason, that's not to be. So we pray that you would bless our efforts. And as we go out on this streaming, that it, the lesson will still be a help and a blessing to those who hear and those who watch. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're delighted to have you join with us this morning in this streams in the desert that we're looking at. And uh, each week we're taking a different Bible character. And this week, as I said, it's going to be John the Baptist. And we've read about him here in John chapter 1. People oftentimes use an excuse when you confront them. And they say, I would do that, but I'm just a I'm just a common person. I'm just a young person. I'm just an old person. Whatever excuse they use. And you know, John could have used excuses as well. But instead, John determined that he would be just a voice for the Lamb of God. And consequently, God blessed the ministry of John the Baptist. And he paid him a very high compliment. He said, there is no greater prophet born of women than John the Baptist." The truth is simply that God can use anyone who will be yielded to him and John is proof of that for us. Now, when we read about the life of a great person in the Bible, oftentimes we automatically assume that things were different for these people that we read about. These heroes of the faith that we see them couldn't have been couldn't have had the same problems we have. They couldn't have been just common men like us. These must, men must have been in some way super human and super spiritual, but that's not the case. The scriptural accounts teach us that these men were people of like passions, and we think about Elijah over in James, who was a man of like passions as we are, and so we see that. And this morning I want to talk to you about just the voice, just the voice. One thing about realizing that these Bible characters were, were real people with real uh, passions, so to speak, and, and uh, the limitations of, of humanity, it, uh, it gives us hope. And we, we realize if, if God can demonstrate his power so mightily to a servant like John the Baptist, then he can do so with us as well. The Bible teaches us God is not a respecter of persons, according to Romans 2 and verse 11. Many Christians, when polled, state that they would like to have power with God. Yet it seems that our 21st century churches are producing more carnal Christians than ever before. And the problem is not with the word of God. It's always been powerful and it's always been able to produce change. The problem isn't with God, for he's immutable and changes not, Malachi 3.6. Perhaps the problem is with us. It might just be that we just don't know how to have the fullness of the power. The life of John teaches us a great lesson about spiritual power. This lesson was learned in the desert where the Spirit of God produced a stream, a great stream of power for John the Baptist. So the first thing we're going to look at is the context of his life. The context of his life. We don't have time to read it, but in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 80, it deals with the birth of John the Baptist. Much could be learned from him if we would understand the context in which God brought him into the world. The birth of John was no accident. His coming was a crucial point for the ministry of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. John was chosen by God to have the great privilege of preparing the way for Jesus to enter into his own public ministry. So, big point number one, we see the birth of John fulfilled in prophecy. And uh, his birth was prophesied. Uh, John's parents were godly people, as we read in Luke chapter 1. We learn how Zacharias, his dad was a priest and ministered as a priest. And in Isaiah 40, we read about the forerunner who would come to prepare the way of the Messiah. John the Baptist is that forerunner, fulfilling the prophecy from hundreds of years earlier. Not only was the birth of John prophesied in Scripture, but it was also foretold to his parents. The angel of the Lord came to Zacharias and came to Elizabeth and foretold them that uh, that they would have this this one who was sent by God. We read the account of how when the angel came to Zacharias, he was was kind of a doubting uh, man, I guess. And uh, so the angel uh, put something on Zacharias. He said, you will not speak until the child is born And Zacharias was was mute from that point on until they named John the Baptist. And when they was naming him, there was an issue about uh, his wife said to name him John. And the people said, well, uh, why in the world would you name him John? And Zacharias at that point was able to speak up and say his name is John. So his birth was no accident. And he was brought into this world to perform a specific uh, task. And that reminds us that every one of us was born into this world with a specific task. We're not here by accident. Christians are here to fulfill a specific purpose for the kingdom of God. By virtue of that fact, there's something special about our ordinary lives. So the birth of John fulfilled prophecy. And the second thing is, John grew up In privacy, we read about John. He was kind of a strange individual. He lived in the wilderness. He wore a camel's hair hair girdle, and uh, he ate locusts and wild honey. He was a strange individual. But as we see that, we see how he was removed from the crowds. We're told that John retreated to the deserts and grew up in relative obscurity. It's possible that as he came to the temple every year, he saw the boy Jesus. Each individual grew along natural courses while preparing to enter a powerful public ministry. So he, he may well have seen Jesus as he came to Jerusalem on occasion, uh, but now he would grow into one ministry. Jesus, of course, would start another public ministry. But we think about John in the deserts and realize that growing up in the desert shielded him from the influence of the rabbis and the leaders of the Jewish religion that he would have received that he had been in town. And God needed to keep him from their their heresy, so to speak. But like a lot of other great prophets, John received his education in 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 the desert place. He was trained in solemn communion with his God. Just as he had grown up in the deserts, he began his ministry in the deserts of Judea and the deserts that surrounded the Jordan River. Of course, John did a lot of baptizing in the Jordan River. This was a man with whom the Holy Spirit accomplished much in the deserts. John would have been a firm believer in the fact that God is able to make streams flow in the desert. Now, while John grew up in a separated environment, He was not isolated. This is proven by the fact that his preaching was able to touch all facets of humanity. A man who had lost contact with reality could not have reached the hearts of so many people. And here's here's something that that brings to us. While we want to live separated lives, we don't want to be isolated from the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. And I thought about that, and I thought about it's kind of like we're a bubble inside of a bubble. Picture this. The world is a big bubble. And then picture us inside that bubble being small bubbles. We're not isolated from it, but we're not affected by it. And that's how we're supposed to be as believers. John, and we see how he was he was used of God. And, and even though he was separated from the world, he wasn't... Uh, isolated. He had contact with a lot of people as people came to him. (laughs) What a great ministry he had. But then the second thing we want to see, not just the context of his life, but the character of his life. Go over to Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 7. It says in verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. This kind of gives us a little idea of, of, of John the Baptist and the characteristics of his life. The context of this preacher's life proves that he was born for a specific person. And this was God's plan for John's life. And we notice that God gave to John the freedom to grow, to learn, and to mature. John was a man of character, and the attributes we find in him are worth duplicating. First of all, he was courageous, and boy, what we just read. Can you imagine confronting the Pharisees like he did? But John the Baptist was never fearful to speak. Thus saith the Lord. It didn't matter to him whether he was addressing sinners in the desert or kings in the palaces. What mattered to John was that people knew where they stood before a holy God. And that courage would be, uh, ultimately cause John to become a martyr. And uh, John's courage was demonstrated Number one, when he spoke out against the religious leaders. Now, we've read about that in Matthew. The common people, uh, I'm sorry, the majority is not always right, somebody said. And, you know, that's so true. Sometimes we think because more more people are involved in this uh, religion or that religion, it must be the right. No, 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 a thousand times no. More doesn't make it right. Uh, Many times people follow as a lamb to the slaughter. And that's a shame. The common people had learned to fear these religious leaders knowing that they had the authority to enact burdens on them. And so the common people feared religious leaders of the day. But John wasn't afraid of them. Therefore, the common people heard John gladly. He uh, he became a champion of the common man. Uh, He was kind of like one of us. We need to also point out that God began to exalt John in the eyes of the public. John started to become somebody. People heard uh, he's out there preaching and people are getting baptized and, and uh, his name started to be thrown around. But understand this, he did exactly what we're supposed to do in that he, he didn't take any glory or honor for himself. He pointed people to the Messiah. And that's what we're supposed to do. It's not about us. It's about him. John directed their eyes to the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And that's what true ministry is all about. Pointing people to the Savior. And that's a ministry every one of us ought to have. So John, we find, was a courageous man. And we'll talk a little more about that in just a minute. But he was also a zealous man. And in John 5, 35, go over there. John 5, verse 35. And the Bible says there, He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in His light. Well, let's back up. Let's look at verse 33. He sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I received not testimony from man. But these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. So John was not only courageous, he was zealous. He he had a passion, if you will, for what God had called him to do. His zeal for righteousness was known throughout the desert region. John preached righteousness. Repent of your sin and turn to the Lord. John's zeal was not that of a new convert. Rather, it was the zeal that was coupled with knowledge. Listen, that's a very necessary thing. Zeal coupled with knowledge. You see... Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. And knowledge without zeal produces apathy. Combine the two factors and you have a bright flaming witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, as believers, we ought to have a zeal. But we also ought to have knowledge of what we're zealous about. And uh, in witnessing to people. The Lord spoke of John's zeal by referring to the brightness of his witness. Well, I don't know. Can can the Lord say that about your witness? That there's a brightness of your witness for him? There ought to be. We ought to be willing witnesses. Christians are not the only group of people endeavoring to make disciples. And there's a caution here. We think about the Mormons and how they, they're zealously trying to advance their cause. And uh, the Mormon church is growing. They're reaching out to people and they're, they're, they're getting their hands on people. How about the Muslims? They're advancing like a mighty army across the nation after nation in the world. And by the way, that's their plan. They plan on infiltrating nations and ultimately taking over nations and converting the whole world to the Muslim faith. Hmm, How about the Jehovah's Witness? They continue to move forward in a steady progress. Every one of those religions has a zeal, but there's no knowledge of the one true holy God in them. That's a dangerous thing. God forbid that someone with a false message would have more zeal than a Christian who's been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Hmm. I think I'm going to say that again because uh, it really struck my heart when I was reading through this. God forbid that someone with a false message would have more zeal than a Christian who's been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I made a little note right beside that statement, and I said it's all too true today. You know, we we belittle, if you will, oftentimes uh, the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormon uh, because they spread a damnable heresy. But on the other side of it, we have to give them credit—they're they're they're diligent and faithful to spread their heresy. I think about those young. Uh, men, those young Mormon men who give two years of their life at their own expense to spread their damnable heresy. And uh, we can't even get Christians to give an hour a week. It's so sad. And so, but John, John had zeal and he had knowledge and he used it in his ministry there. And then the third thing about John, John was holy. Holy, holy, Righteous living should increase the zeal for evangelism. Herod knew that John was a just man by the way he lived his life. The command to be holy is stated in both, both testaments. The Old Testament, God says, be ye holy for I am holy. Over in the New Testament, God says, be ye holy for I am holy. Herod knew that John was a just man by the way he lived his life. We find this, this call on us, be holy and it it reminds us, if you will, it should convict us that God has has put a premium on holy living. You know, that's so missing in our churches today. We have so many feel-good churches. We have so many places where the preacher don't cry out against sin anymore and where where people are not not encouraged to get rid of sin in their life, Uh, their get their ears tickled, and, and they come in and, and, and go out the same way they came in. Uh, there's no change. But the Bible says in a Christian's life, there ought to be change, and we ought to be different. We're to be pilgrims in, in this life and, and a peculiar people. Well, John was zealous, and John was holy. Here's a statement. I thought it was so, it really kind of hit me Uh, God never commands us to be happy in the scriptures, but he does command us to be holy. That's a good thought. We're not commanded to be happy. And and by the way, I've dealt with people who, and I'm thinking of one individual in particular, uh, who made the statement to me one day, well, I just believe God wants me to be happy. And my response was, show me that in the scriptures. Hmm. Now that don't mean we can't have joy in the Lord, but listen, sometimes uh, God has things for us that that uh, would cause us not to be happy. sometimes we have to go through various things uh, and and not be happy, and we need to be willing willing to suffer for the Lord. Well, in Ephesians one four it says this. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And that's what God has for each each one of us. A person who lives a holy life is a person who's going to be sensitive to sin. Sin is going to bother that person because sin bothers God. A spiritual Christian who's become carnal doesn't see what the big deal is uh, with sin. And John the Baptist lived a holy life and preached a holy message. His message was against unholy living. And he, uh, I like this, he wasn't afraid to tell Herod that he was living in open sin. Go to Matthew 14. Now I'll tell you what, this John the Baptist fellow, he, he had some moxie. He had some, some intestinal fortitude. And um, Matthew chapter 14 and verses three and four. Well, I'll start with verse one. At that time, Herod the teacher heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. Therefore, mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John. And bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, it is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would put him to death, he feared a multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So here's John the Baptist. Get the picture. Now, he's before Herod. And he knows Herod has the power to sentence him to death if he wants to or to prison uh, his, his life is in the hands of Herod in a lot of ways. Of course, we know ultimately it was in the hand of the Lord. But John was coming before the authority of his day. And when he comes before him, he confronts the authority with the wicked sin that he's involved in. He's, he's uh, uh, taken his brother's wife as his wife now. And uh, John says, that's, that's, not, that's not right. That's not proper. That's not godly. And uh, because of that, he's imprisoned, and we know ultimately it would cost John to be, be cause John to be beheaded. The characteristic of John and this idea of being holy and zealous and courageous is really needed in our Christianity today. As I said, it seems like in Christianity, uh, the crying out against sin and the crying out for holy living seems to be going by the wayside. Actually, it's becoming more difficult to see the lines of distinction between the world and the church. I've said many times, it seems like we tell people we're supposed to be separate from the world, but people are bringing the world into the church. And uh, that's a dangerous thing, and it's a sad thing. Here's what's happened So much of the world has come into the church that now uh, the church is pretty much like the world and we've lost our power with the world. Listen, if we're not different, we have nothing to offer. And uh, uh, so many Christians feel like they want to be like the world and yet be saved. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches us. It's becoming more difficult to see the lines of distinction between the world and the church God give us people who are not ashamed to live a holy life. Not ashamed to be different. Not afraid to stand up for what the Bible teaches and what God commands. But there's something else about John. John was not only was courageous and zealous and holy, but he was common. Common. John chapter Uh, Ten verse forty one. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. It's interesting to notice that John is named among the prophets over in Luke 7 and verse 28. Go over there for just a minute. Luke 7 and verse 28. Luke 7 verse 28. <clears throat> Jesus is speaking here. And he says, for I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John was a a common man. And uh, in John 10, 41, uh, we've seen that. Many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. It's interesting to notice that John is named among the prophets. He's he's in the same category, if you will, with men like Elijah and Elisha and the other great prophets. Both Elijah and Elisha performed great miracles in front of all of Israel. And we specifically read uh, as a contrast there that John did no miracle. John the Baptist didn't go about doing miracles. He went about preaching and baptizing. Even though John did no miracle, hence was just a common man, Jesus considered him the greatest prophet ever born among women. Matthew 11:11. 11, 11. What was it made John such a great prophet? if he gave no prophecies that came true, if he didn't stop the rains like Elijah or, or call down fire from heaven like Elijah, uh, or, or Elijah, uh, what made him so great? What was the message he preached? That's what made him great. John was considered the greatest prophet because he personally pointed people to the Lord Jesus Christ. John's message wasn't about types and shadows like many of the prophets. His message pointed to a living Messiah, someone that people could see, someone that that walked among the very people that John preached to. There's a principle here that we need to keep in mind. The greatness of our ministry is going to be measured in how we've people pointed people to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what really makes a difference in the world today. Listen, I'm all for helping people and and being there when people need you and, and counseling people and all those kinds of things. But listen, the number one priority of our life needs to be pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the miraculous that Christ puts his stamp of approval upon. You ever think about this? And we need to remember this. The Bible talks about the last days, and it tells us that in the last days, the wicked, wicked one would be deceiving nations with miracles, with signs, and with wonders. So it's not the miraculous that we need to follow, it's the factual taken from the Word of God. Christ has placed his approval on those who have given a clear presentation concerning the gospel of Christ. And that that reminds us of this. If we feel like we're just common people, if if you feel like I'm just a common person, I don't have much to offer, you're exactly the kind of person that God is looking to use. Go over to 1 Corinthians. I like this. You know, so often we think, a person has to be some somehow a, 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 a have a great mind, or or have great looks, or great talents, or whatever for God to use them. But in First Corinthians chapter one, it tells us the kind of person that God really can use. And we get to verse twenty six, and it says this: For you see your calling, brethren. that no flesh should glory in his presence. What Paul's saying there is God likes to take what man deems to be unusable. God likes to take the one who, who says I have nothing to offer and God loves to use that person because then God gets the glory. I think we need to remember that in our churches and in our ministry. We're just a, If we feel like we're just common people, that's right where you need to be because God wants to use common, ordinary, everyday people to do extraordinary things through the power of his Holy Spirit. Hmm. It's the Spirit of God that is able to make the streams flow in the desert. And when he does, it's unmistakably the work of God. Psalm 118, verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Listen, John understood who he was. John understood that he was nothing apart from the empowering power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit on his life. Characteristics of his life. He was courageous. He was zealous. He was holy. He was common. And then notice this, the calling on his life. Understand this, every one of us that's a child of God has a calling on our life. Every one of us has been given talents and abilities that God wants us and calls us to use for His praise and His glory. Some have been called to preach, some have been called to teach. Some have been called to serve him in other ways, full-time, missionaries, evangelists, that kind of thing. A lot of people would say, well, I've never been called to preach. I've never been called to teach. Well, that, that statement really doesn't matter because every child of God has been called and called to be a full-time Christian. You know, I've said before, sometimes it seems like Christians want to get up Sunday morning and put on their Christianity and come to church and act like a good Christian. But then come Monday morning, they take off their Christianity and hang it up there and say, I'll be back next week. That's not how it ought to be. We ought to be Christians 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, 52 weeks of the year. In everything we say, and everything we do, We ought to be Christians. I made myself a little note. We ought to be Christians in the home, on the job, in the marketplace, and anywhere else we find ourselves. We need to be Christians, consistent Christians. Oh, there's so much inconsistency in the professed Christians today. They say they love Christ, they say they're saved and on their way to heaven and uh, they say they they want to be what God wants them to be and yet they live like the devil. And that's not that's not the kind of Christianity that God wants. Hmm. John had a calling on his life. We all have a calling. We need to understand that the opportunity to wear the name of Christ is a tremendous opportunity, but it's also a tremendous responsibility. Hmm? When you got saved, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're to display him in our lives. We need to walk worthy of the calling that God has put upon us as believers. We need to be a voice. Hmm. John 1, 23 through 25 go back over there to John 23 John knew who he was he said i am the voice of one crying in the wilderness make straight the way of the lord as said the prophet isaiah and they which were sent and they which were sent were of the pharisees And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latcheth. I'm not worthy to unleash. John is to be a voice. Jesus asked the people in John's day, What went ye out For to see. In other words, he was saying to them, What did you expect to see in the deserts where John the Baptist was preaching? John himself declared that he was a voice crying in the wilderness. And you know, understand this John was not an echo shouting somebody else's message, he was a voice declaring truth that was real to him. It's been said that nothing is real until it's personal. John was personally devoted to spreading the right message. How about you? Are you you a personally devoted Christian to spreading the message of salvation? John was personally devoted uh, to spreading the right message, and the right message can only be spread as we become yielded vessels to the Holy Spirit's control in our lives. Here's a statement. I think it's very true. Our world is in need of more voices to speak out for Christ. I'm told, I didn't count them all, but I'm told there are 7 billion people in this world today. And and think about this now. Every one of those 7 billion people need to hear the message of salvation. That's the only way they're ever going to get saved. Now, how many of these 7 billion people are actually hearing the gospel message? How many of them have somebody bringing the gospel message to them? We support a bunch of missionaries, and I'm glad we do, and we're trying to get the message out to people around the world. But even in what we're trying to do, it's just a drop in the bucket as to what's needed What's needed is for all people everywhere to hear that gospel message and the right message can only be spread by those who are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Our world needs to see that the Holy Spirit is able to cause streams to break forth in the desert like they did for John. And then notice this, the calling on John's life was to be a voice and to point people to the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. (laughs) The calling on John's life is no different from the call that is on the life of every believer. John felt a sense of responsibility to point people not to his cousin. Think about that now. John's pointing people not to his cousin, but to the Lamb of God, which would take away the sins of the world. You say, what's the point? John wasn't, wasn't trying to elevate himself by tying himself to Jesus as his cousin. He was pointing to people, people to Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior, the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And that shows us that John was, was not after personal accolades. As a matter of fact, over in John 3.30, John says this, he must increase but I must decrease. And think about this. Only a a spirit-filled believer can play second fiddle and be content. In the natural man, we want to be noticed. We want to be number one. But John was, was not seeking the accolades of men. He wasn't even upset when his own disciples left him to follow Jesus. One of his disciples, Andrew, would bring Christ to his brother Peter, yet it was John the Baptist that had an early influence on Andrew's life. Listen, too many Christians today are living like God never gave us the Great Commission that we find. Too many Christians believe that the Great Commission was only, is only relegated and applicable to pastors or church staff members. They could never imagine that Christ had them in mind when he spoke those words in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Go over there. Most of us are very familiar with these verses, but I want you to see them once again today. Matthew 28. In verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Listen, that command is to all of us, not just to pastors or missionaries or Sunday school teachers or staff members, but to every one of us. We've all been called to point people to the Lamb, the one and only Lamb, that can take away their sin. In short, this is a calling to win souls to Christ. And you know Proverbs 11:30 tells us, "He that wins souls is wise." John the Baptist preached about the coming kingdom, and then he worked to get people into that kingdom. And that's the core of biblical Christianity. May God help us to do likewise. Hmm. So when you hear about great men of the faith that have gone before us, it's very easy for us to assume that they were supernatural, that somehow they were just shy of deity. No, they were common people, and God used them. History proves otherwise. John was an ordinary person. He never performed any great feats or never performed any miracles. By the way, his ministry wasn't very long. Jesus' ministry was only three and a half years, and John was only a part of that. He was he was martyred, he was beheaded because he spoke out. I listen, going back to that courage thing, boy, he had to be such a man of courage to stand in Herod's face and tell him what you're doing is wrong. And, you know, as I thought about that, I thought about how often are we as Christians shy about telling people when they're wrong? Now, I don't mean in a wicked way or, or uh, unkind way, but how often do we, do we shy away from being honest with people and sincere in our witness to them because we want to be popular We don't want them to think bad of us. So we overlook their sin. Listen, John wasn't overlooking Herod's sin at all. So we need to point people to the Lamb of God and take a stand and win souls. John the Baptist preached about the coming kingdom. And listen, there's a kingdom coming yet. One day Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to set up an earthly kingdom. And those of us who are saved, who have gone on before are going to come back with him and rule and reign for a 1,000 years. Hmm. Listen, John was a man who's a good example for us. He was thrown in prison. The kingdom he preached about never really materialized in his life. Ultimately, he was beheaded. And yet Jesus himself calls him the greatest prophet ever born among women. Why would he say that? He was faithful. And he delivered the most important message that a man will ever hear. Here comes the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. Listen, John didn't receive the applause of humanity, but John received the applause of heaven. And that ought to be more important to us. We ought to have have our our eyes and our minds and our hearts fixed more on the applause of heaven than the applause of men. In the end, isn't that what really matters? May God help us to be a voice, a voice like John the Baptist, just a voice. Father, thank you for John. Thank you for his ministry. And Lord, the example he set for us in being faithful and diligent and courageous and common. Our natural man wants the accolades of men, wants the praise of people. But God, help us not to to function as the natural man, but as the spiritual man. Help us to fulfill our responsibility to be pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ in our lifestyle and in our words, Lord, that that we might be strong witnesses and testimonies for you. Help us to be willing to give a word of witness when an opportunity arises. Help us to be willing to give out a gospel track. Share with people the good news of the gospel that folks would come to Christ and be saved. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.